0: welcome to the december 20th edition of the pff forecast it is a great show um we did not we had to really you know hold back we didn't do a draft for the upcoming uh, olympics per Sh- Hall's request this is a normal sane podcast uh it's going to be a great one uh we're obviously going to prep for the christmas weekend um we'll also fill you in on how we're going to approach the christmas weekend with podcasts uh, we've got SGP builds with Judah as usual, locks of the week. Um, and at the end, a very special uh, 60 minute debate. Uh, you will not want to miss it. That's right. I tried to start with uh, a reading of a Jason Whitlock tweet, uh, but my co-host said no, I could not. So you'll have to find it yourself. Um, one of the one of the greatest pieces of literature that's that's ever been published. Those of you that are members of the Printing Press and have been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know that Jason Whitlock uh, is one of our favorites. Um, he, if you are ever you know how people sometimes get in those like Wikipedia zones where you just like start Wikipedia stuff and you never stop and you're just reading for like hours? You could do that with Jason Whitlock's Twitter feed. It, it's one of the greatest things that, that you'll ever find. Um, anyways, I'm George, uh, Brad and Judah here. Fellas, uh, it is the Christmas weekend. We have Niners and Ravens. We've been preparing for this matchup for a while. We have three days of great football, going to be very exciting. Um, But I'm curious. I want to just go around the horn. I obviously feel like I know Judah's answer here. Brad, how much football do you get to watch during Christmas? Like, is this something that's accepted by your family?
1: Do you have to fight for it? How does that work? My dad will make sure the TV is visible from the dining table during Christmas Eve, dinner, brother. Like, I might get in trouble if I don't watch football during the holidays. So, yeah, he's the re- the reason I'm hosting a gambling podcast is because of my father. Uh, so shout out him. I uh, used to call his bookie on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's the inspo. Shout out. Shout out Big Tom.
0: <laughs> uh, that's legendary. Judah, where are you watching the games?
1: I think,
2: uh, you know, I'll, I'll be all over. The only thing that will stop me from watching the games are the after effects of the Chinese food. That is the mm-hmm. only possible reason to miss any minute of football this weekend. What's
0: your go-to? I, I haven't had good Chinese food in a while. Give me your so, Chinese food. There was a
2: great place locally where I grew up. Uh, and oftentimes just because I was home for breaks or, uh, you know, school or whatever. I, you know, go back to my roots, place called Eden Walk on uh, North Avenue in Rochelle. Terrific place. It's a tradition unlike any other. Uh this year we're gonna have to have to find a new place given that I'll be in, in Philadelphia. But I'm excited.
0: Top so three It's, a, top it's three the dishes. one
2: really the one time of the year I eat Chinese food.
0: Uh, what what are your top three dishes? What do you have to order?
2: Ooh, I'm gonna go with the uh it's actually a tough question.
0: It's a very hard
2: question. I'm just General Chow number one for okay. sure. Uh, the Wong fun guy, very underrated, I think. And then, ooh, maybe it, maybe it's just a sesame chicken, Poo Platter is a good one in the comments. Poo that's platter, actually, that, yeah. I, I'd say that's number that's number three.
0: Uh, Wong fun guy, what is that?
2: It's like pastrami fried in. By the way, the egg rolls are great, also with a little bit of, of meat on top. Uh, real, you know, I don't know what they wrap the, what kind of bread. I don't know if it's bread or like puff pastry thing, but it's some (laughs) combination of puff pastry, pastrami, it's fried, it's delicious. It's got all the things you want.
0: Um, Those are all very, very good. Um, A couple. So let me throw a couple out there that I think are probably not on most people's list, but I think are very, are very good. Um, Szechuan shrimp. uh, If you like spicy food, uh, I like shrimp. The, um, the, uh, candied prawns and honey walnuts uh is also phenomenal and then mushu pork full plum sauce uh make your own wrap three of my favorites brad you got any
1: yeah just to add on to a lot of great ones my fun always hits uh you know like singapore rice noodles i think mm-hmm. is sometimes it's referred to as that pork lo mein i mean the fact ah. that no one mentioned pork lo mein yet like yeah. I, you know that's that, that's a staple uh Mongolian beef, gotta get in the mix too. I mean, like you said, that's a that's a tough question. I can we can talk about that we, talk, tough, if we did in our podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If we
0: did a draft of that right now, that okay, that'll be at the end of the podcast. We'll get to some football. Uh we've hit Jason Whitlock, best Chinese food. Uh, and now we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk football. This is why you come to this podcast. Um, let's start with um injuries this week. I think the the biggest one obviously being um the CJ Stroud question mark but um yeah brad uh, take us through uh the injury rotation here
1: yep cj stroud definitely the biggest one in houston it's looking like nico collins is trending towards playing though so that definitely helps uh case keenum in houston so we'll start tomorrow night for the saints uh the big one for me that is going to impact my first uh lock of the week uh is the saints are not going to have Marshawn Lattimore. he is eligible to come off Mm -hmm. of ir so that was up in the air I shouldn't say aren't going to have him, but apparently it's a very long shot that Marshawn Lattimore plays in that game. Um, so he's probably out for the Saints. Uh, and then we're still waiting on Olave and Ryan Ramchek. We don't know yet, but I would keep an eye on those two as well. For the Cincy Steelers games, kind of going through here, um, no one notable there. It's going to be Mason Rudolph, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer coming into town uh, for the Steelers. Uh, Jamar Chase out for that game, probably out for multiple games. Um, but definitely out for this upcoming game. And then DJ Reader uh, for the Bengals defensive line is out. Maybe if they give Jalen Warren the football, that'll matter. If they keep feeding Najee Harris, it will not. Uh, the Bills versus the Chargers. Um, Keenan Allen it still has not practiced. Uh, maybe, maybe it doesn't play in that game against the Bills. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Josh Palmer, though, is back. Probably the number one receiver uh, immediately upon return. For Buffalo, pretty healthy at this point. Uh, no one notable that I can think of. Uh, at this point, then we got lions, Vikings, Justin Jefferson's back. Looked like Justin Jefferson to me. Um, n- nothing really there. Nick Mullen's still going to start, but I, I would imagine has a, has a short leash and we might get some Jaron Hall action in that one. <clears throat> Packers, Panthers, Micah, Christian Watson back. I think we will, but I think Don Wicks maybe is now out. Um, AJ Dillon I think will also return in that game. Uh, he was out last week, but I think he should be good to go. We talked Cleveland, Houston already. Seattle, Tennessee. It's going to be Ryan Tannehill, and I, I think now it's going to be Geno Smith. Obviously, pushed very, very hard to play this past week. Drew Locke was solid, but you know they're not going. To, there's no like QB controversy there. If Geno can play, he's going to play, and I think he will uh, against Mr. Ryan Tannehill. For the Colts, uh, Michael Pittman is progressing well, but don't know yet about the concussion. We'll see there. Uh, Atlanta. It's not an injury, but uh, an injury to our souls. Uh, and Desmond Ritter (laughs) playing football. Uh, so he's out. Uh, Taylor Heineke, who's not any better, uh, is in. Uh, Commanders Jets, nothing notable there. Really, Zach Wilson, I guess, maybe doesn't play. Uh, cause he's in the the, play. Say it again. Who
0: plays Simeon?
1: Yeah, they wave Boyle. Yeah, I would assume Simeon could be Boyle again. You know, that's actually like a. A, the most stoppable force meets the most movable object with the commander's defense against a Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon offense, the worst offensive it's line wave. of football. Yeah.
2: That's what I'm saying. I think Boyle was waived. Yeah. Like Texas yeah. now or
1: something. Oh yeah. That, that sounds right. So yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Trevor Simeon. Yeah. He got a shot. Uh, couldn't make the most of it through a miraculous Hail Mary pick six. And the rest was history. Uh, Jaguars bucks. I don't think we're getting Trevor Lawrence in this game. And I think we're still not going to have Christian Kirk in this game. Really? I think Tyson Campbell's still going to be out for that game. There are a lot of injuries in Jacksonville right now. Maybe that, that changes. Andre Sisco, the safety, maybe comes back. But um, I think, yeah, I think no Trevor Lawrence. And I think uh, Christian Kirk is still out there. Oh, and uh, Zay Jones. Uh, hamstring, I think he doesn't play as well. Bucks are healthy. Um, Chris Goblin was dealing with something a couple weeks ago, but he's good to go. All right, Dallas, Miami. I think Tyreek plays. I think it was a, hey, we're playing the Jets. Type of heel injury for Tyreek. Uh, I think he's back and good to go. Our boy Devon Achan is fine, uh, thankfully, and uh, he'll be good to go as well. Cardinals Bears, uh, Tevin Jenkins on the on the O-line for the Bears. Otherwise, they're healthy. Arizona, Marquise Brown still dealing with the heel. I think it's probably 50-50. Probably could go either way. I think we'll get Marquise Brown back for this game, um, but I wouldn't be shocked if he does not play. All right, Patriots Broncos. Who cares? Just kidding. Uh, nothing notable there. Uh, Raiders Chiefs. Uh, nothing notable there either. Everyone's good there. Josh Jacobs, I think, will come back for this game, uh, but wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't. Giants, Eagles, Tommy, Tommy Collins is good to go. Um, I think, yeah, it's his job, Dable said, throughout the rest of the season. So he should be good to go. Darren Waller, uh, George for your fantasy teams. Thank thankfully, Darren Waller's back for the playoffs. I- I, I dropped just,
0: him so long ago.
1: <laughs> I put him on IR, and I yeah, I might as well just drop them. Um, Eagles, all good there. Uh, let's see here, and then Ravens, Niners. Uh, there is, the top of my head, not, Ronnie Stanley probably doesn't go, but we talked about it. he was rotating with Patrick McCari a little bit anyway. I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, and then obviously Keaton Mitchell, which I actually think does matter. Um, just insofar as like they don't have an explosive running back now that can pick up a chunk gain. Um, he's obviously out, you know, he's out for the year with the torn ACL.
0: Um, I don't think there was anyone you didn't cover. That was pretty comprehensive. Um, I was going to ask about uh, Zach Wilson and how much that moves the line, but I uh, don't want to waste our time. Uh, anything Judah that uh, <laughs> you noticed there? Um, I, the Trevor Lawrence one was a surprise to me. I did not, realize that um that I, I forgot that he had gotten a concussion um that's interesting so that's just a pick tampa at home with uh with a backup facing a backup qb that's interesting yeah uh-huh.
2: uh that i feel like I was priced into the line at least you know making yeah, a, a favorite what was really surprising to me is going from ritter to heineke moved the falcons from underdogs to slight favorites uh, which I thought was quite interesting. I mean, the Colts really are not getting any love, uh, but that was a kind of puzzling move that, that I saw. Uh, the rest, I think, was either mostly baked into the spread or is not too significant to matter. Of course, the Cleveland and Houston, CJ Stroud news changed uh, changed a bunch there. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, the one really notable one to me was the, the Falcons going from underdogs to, to favorites on the, the Ritter benching.
0: Yeah. I, I, what did we see from Heineke that makes you have any conviction on that whatsoever? I mean, I know it's crossing zero. Who really cares? But um, I don't know. That that feels a little disrespectful. Um, maybe a lot disrespectful. Uh, the Ryan Tannehill one is interesting. Did that, um, I, I guess we knew that that Levis was out. What What would you guys make the difference between those two guys?
1: I'd say Levis has shown. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, you. I was gonna say I think it's
2: like a point, point and a half, uh, in favor of Tannehill. Like I, I don't think Levis is oh, really? done. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill is far better at kind of mitigating the surrounding issues of Tennessee. That being the extremely poor offensive line uh, and weak wide receiving core. Like Tannehill just has a little bit more pocket awareness, the getting rid of the ball quicker. Uh, throwing a little shorter downfield. Like Levis is just going to have these crazy, crazy highs because if he's chucking these like 40-yard bombs deep and like you're going to hit on 15% of those and if you stack a couple of those in a game, you're going to put together a good performance. That's what happened in Miami. And for the rest, he's been a disaster. His pressure to sack ratio is terrible. Uh, All of those sort of like in-structure stuff. Uh, When the structure around him is not particularly good, he's not very good. I think Tadna's a little bit better kind of escaping that.
1: You're gonna have the exact same answer. Uh, yeah, obviously, higher variance, positive outcome for Levis, but on the median, Tannehill by a point, point and a half.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I would have made it basically a wash. I just, their their outline is so bad, and I feel like the reason Tannehill stopped playing is because he just stood there like a statue, and instead of being nimble enough to at least take hits, uh, he just got crushed. Um, and we are getting Sam Howell for the commanders.
1: Uh... That's a good question. Right. It wasn't right. an injury issue. I don't know if we're getting Sam Howell for the Commanders. That's Judah. That's your. Uh, that's up your alley. What, what yeah. can you give us? here? the official I think Sam you Howell assume, reporter.
2: And we haven't given a Sam Howell take in a, in a while. I feel like George is, uh, has been the, the commies guy now. I would assume it's... I think you got to assume it's Howell uh, just because it was kind of like a garbage time benching type thing that it actually turned out to not really be garbage time. But I, I would imagine we would have heard by now uh, if if it was going to be reset going forward and they have no reason to i don't think go to be reset it's not as if they're like trying to win they might as well kind of gather more info here
1: it might be yeah. a dumb question so i bet he also was a super short leash like do you ever should we there probably aren't even markets for it but just like betting overs on backup quarterbacks that we think could very well come into the game <laughs> like, no, but
2: this is actually something i did that uh the steelers colts game and it came really really close was betting like this furthest alt-unders I could get on Trubisky. Cause I thought there was a chance Trubisky would get benched for Rudolph. Uh betting like furthest alt-unders and then pairing that with a receiver over. Because like oh. there's no way to kind of account for that. Oh yeah. Um so that's what I would do if you expect the quarterback benching. Uh, but those are obviously very difficult to kind of predict. Uh but maybe maybe there'll be a build uh worth exploring.
0: That's very interesting. I mean, there's a couple of so first off, the one we just mentioned with Howell, I think is is interesting. Um, there's uh, Minnesota. You mentioned with Nick Mullins, he made some not great throws. Now the other side of that coin is that I think Detroit's pass defense is susceptible, and like I think you could make the case for him having a, a good game as well. Um, yeah. I don't know. They'll probably leave Rudolph in there the whole time um, in Pittsburgh. I don't think they have another quarterback in the stadium in, in Los Angeles.
2: In theory, Case Keenum is another guy who who could get in. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's a good point. He looked terrible. But he I also would ugly pick. Pick. Yeah, yeah. he'd an ugly pick in that game.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's very interesting. Um, okay, let's get to um same game parlays. I have some thoughts on where you're heading, but I want to hear see that. No, no. Really no. I'll you're let you know.
2: I'll let you lead with it.
0: I, I I'm a man of my word. I'll let you know if you hit on any of the ones that I think you're gonna hit on. And if not, I'll bring them up.
2: Okay. Well, I, I think the one we're gonna start with for tomorrow night is certainly not one I thought you're I you're let's speak English here. The one tomorrow night is not one I anticipate you having on your list, and that's going to be a Tyler Higby build, the Ooh. Saints over the last. About 10 weeks or so have been, if not the worst, the second worst defending tight ends. Uh, they are allowing about nine targets per game to tight ends, the second most yards per two tight ends, at around 70. Tyler Higbee's had a little bit of like bouncing around with his snap share just because he got hurt uh, in one game and then came back with Easton to work a lot. But if you look at kind of the earlier season usage and even towards the middle of the season, this is a guy who's playing on almost all of the snaps. Uh, he is certainly one of those kind of security blankets for Stafford, and the prop is exceptionally low in his alts, which you can find like 65 yards at, uh, you know, plus 900 or so. I think are very, very appealing in a matchup where, sure, you know, Stafford's been relying on Cup and Nakua in recent weeks, but given the matchup, it would be totally unsurprising to kind of see him go and lean on Higby and in a very similar way to how we talk about uh, quarterbacks that have really, really low props and not much needs to go right to have 250 yards. Not much needs to go right for, like, by every stretch of the imagination, a pretty average tight end in a great matchup to accumulate 65 yards. That's not that many yards. And that's really being priced in as a long shot, just given his recent performance uh, and kind of the usage that I don't think is sticky because he should be a full-time player now that he is totally healthy. That's a spot I'm going to look to build around. Uh, Stafford to Higby, plain and simple. Uh, maybe you can, you know, if you wanted to build in, they probably mispriced the correlation of uh, the Rams actually winning that game. Uh, meaning I think that if you build something like a Stafford 275, a Higby 275, and then you took the Rams minus four and a half, you get better odds than the Saints four and a half. And I think this game script actually is more likely that the Rams win. I think it depends on your risk tolerance, but all of that is to say Stafford to Higby. I like that in the matchup. Uh, that's my my first one.
0: I did not have that one. You are correct. Um, so you you evaded. You've made it.
2: That was that was really the goal. Uh the next will go. I feel like I've been doing this every week, but a little bit, a little bit different this time around. Uh that's me, Jake, uh, Jake Browning going to T. Higgins. Uh, I think Browning has really surprised me, certainly, and I think everyone by how well he is playing. There's almost no indication that he hasn't been anything but a really good quarterback. That is not to say that that will continue, but at least until he's priced that way, there is some value in saying, okay, like maybe Jake Browning is that good. And the Steelers are an extremely overrated defense uh, relative to market. Up until this past week, they had been operating as a real run funnel. They obviously got destroyed by the Colts, but this is still a team allowing the second most explosive plays in the NFL. And Browning has, and the Cincinnati Bengals have not really changed their pass rates so much. Going from Burrow, as a team that was passing way over expected. They've maintained that with Browning, and books are still kind of pricing Browning as this backup who is not going to accumulate such volume. But the Bengals are still passing a ton. It's a great matchup. I think T. Higgins will operate in kind of this number one receiver role. They've they've been using a lot of kind of two tight end personnel in recent weeks, which has cut into a bit of the share for everyone not named Jamar Chase. Now that they are. Down Jamar Chase, I envision that kind of Higgins will take the number one role. We'll see the field for the entirety of the snaps. He's going to be in a great matchup against the Steelers. They'll move him around to avoid Joey Porter. And obviously, as you can see in your screen, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson uh, or Trenton Sullivan, whomever it might be, are not exactly uh, capable of defending T. Higgins in one-on-one coverages. I don't think. I think Browning's pretty good. I think this is a Steelers defense that is overrated, and there is the market is not properly pricing. Even looking at the alts that I saw, I saw in like 95 yards at 12 to one for Higgins. The new role that Higgins should have, given that he is the number one receiver with Jamar Chase out.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I so one of my thoughts was that you were going to go on the other side of this uh, with the Steelers because if the, the Bengals defense has been terrible, um, I have not looked at the Mason Rudolph. Uh, props but i cannot imagine that they are very bullish on mason rudolph uh, at all everything is falling apart for them um and uh, there's no reason to expect them to be any good in this game uh that said his name is mike tomlin and he's facing jake browning and so i'm always <laughs> i am always prepared uh for for something crazy to happen um so that's where I, that was one that i thought you were going with.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I I thought about – I'd be worried a bit about – I think the Steelers will have a ton of success running the ball, especially with Mm. the Bengals without DJ Reader. This Bengals run defense has been atrocious. I just don't see enough volume kind of stacking up there. And Mason Rudolph is a little bit more of a known, and I think the Steelers' offense is a bit more of a known than a lot of these other backups we've attacked. But I obviously can't argue with the logic. Not much needs to go right against a really terrible Cincinnati defense. Would I be totally surprised if – you know Rudolph locks into a, a 250 day. Absolutely not. But it's not something uh, that kind of stands out relative to other backups in similar spots.
0: If Luana Rumo doesn't force Mason Rudolph to beat him, then there's a problem. <laughs> like you just can't let Jalen Warren and Najee Harris run all over you.
2: Yeah, it's, it's true. But you know what do we say about coaching our bets? That's uh, bets. Uh, one thing I I don't have too much confidence in. Um,
0: All right. Where are you going to next?
2: Yeah, I'll go again. This is a bet that I've been giving out a bunch recently, but it's going back to Indianapolis uh, facing the Atlanta Falcons big time pass funnel. This is a Colts team where if you look at kind of the trend line of their pass rate, it's a steep increase up over the last six weeks. They haven't had a single game passing below expectation. That is even with them basically running the ball every single play of the fourth quarter last week. Uh, With a big lead against Pittsburgh, I don't think they'll envision they'll be able to have the same success, especially not with, you know, both their starting running backs hurt. Uh, This is a very, very beatable pass defense. I would love to play this with Pittman if he is around. He has clearly taken the lion's share of the targets. If he is out with a concussion, I don't know which receiver is going to emerge. Doesn't seem to matter. They're throwing to guys I've never heard of last week Uh, with success. It's it's kind of I guess the the Shane Steichen special. I would be happy to just build around the Colts uh winning the game and Gardner Minshew having a good day passing as that is the way to beat the Atlanta Falcons and they are underdogs at the moment which is something that is very very surprising for me.
0: Yeah, uh very surprised by that as well even though it's just a single point. Um so no Pittman, are you going with Downs, Pierce, what are you doing?
2: I don't think I'm going to go with either of them. I you could maybe build something with, you know, kind of sprinkling Across whether it's Pierce or or Downs, I just don't have a lot of confidence which guy it's going to be. The Colts can also spread the ball around, especially without Pittman. That you know you could have a couple. They're, they're playing three tight ends. Like one of those guys can pop off. Oh, Minshew can throw for three hundred yards or two hundred seventy-five yards, and no receiver can have you know eighty yards. I think that's a like legitimate possibility given how spread out they can be outside of Pittman. Uh, that I don't necessarily love just attacking. One guy, and there's no particular matchup against Atlanta that makes you say, oh, this is the guy who will kind of break out. So I'm more comfortable just playing this two legs spread Minshew alt prop. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. It there. Yeah, the-
0: you know, I was actually just thinking about this. I don't know if you've ever put something like this together. Um, often we've talked about like certain offenses that concentrate with a couple of receivers. You know, Miami, most notably, we almost hit that, that huge, uh, was it 900 to 1 or whatever it was. Um, but, uh, thinking about that with the the Pittsburgh Steelers, you mentioned how terrible the, uh, Bengals run defense is now without DJ reader and how books might price two running backs going over, um, with Najee and, uh, and Jalen Warren, like Jalen Warren has been one of the most elusive backs, um, that we've seen in the league, uh, this year. And I think is the third most missed tackles forced um, on run plays. And Najee Harris has like somehow found some sort of you know rebirth, and they insist on still giving him the ball. Um, that that could be a, an interesting one.
2: Yeah, that's certainly an interesting one to, to kind of play around with with pricing, and also like including different. Again, the idea is to have some sort of game script that the books are mispricing the correlation. Maybe you like something like two running back overs uh, and a, like or alt overs and a game under might be kind of hmm. negatively correlated, just because they say in order for uh this guy to accumulate a ton of volume it must be that they are leading by a lot which means the Steelers mm-hmm. are playing from ahead which is beating expectations and they a negative uh kind of correlation can exist with the under because really this is just a function of like them getting a ton of volume but those are certainly interesting to to build around but it would certainly requires some time kind of playing around with builds which I, yeah what if you
0: put what if you put um what if you had the team with two runners going over losing
2: yeah, that's exactly, that's one that will be very, very negatively correlated and one that I would like. Yeah. Right, which essentially tells the story of this being a close game, even into the fourth quarter, and a team pulling away late. Like, that is a very realistic yeah. possibility, especially uh, in this in this spot.
0: All right, we'll keep it rolling. Uh, what else you got first?
2: Yeah. This one, yeah, it's been a while since I was able to go back to the originator of many of these same game parlays, and that's betting on Tua Tagovailoa and this Miami Dolphins offense.
0: How did we know uh, it?
2: Yeah. Oh, it's it's been it's been too long, which is good because they've gone through a little bit of a, a rough stretch. But there are a couple of angles that really tilt me towards the Dolphins passing attack here. Number one, the Cowboys play a ton of man coverage. Jerron Bland's coverage grade is great. That is on the backs of a lot of interceptions. His ability to prevent separation is an absolute disaster. He's in the bottom quartile. Uh, in man coverage, I believe he's bottom 10% preventing separation. This is a team that plays a lot of man coverage. We talk about this all the time. In man coverage, as opposed to zone, it is a the production is more so a reflection of the talent on the field. Good wide receivers beat lesser cornerbacks and vice versa. No one needs, it's not a brand groundbreaking analysis to say that the Dolphins have far better talent on, you know, the wide receiver cornerback matchup, but it is not necessarily priced appropriately given how much man coverage the Cowboys are going to play. Kind of layering that on top of the Cowboys pass rush is terrific. And that is kind of, I think the backbone of this defense and they can force a lot of turnovers and that's great. The secondary has been dreadful. Two and second by lowest time to throw is so short that when things are going right, just most often, basically every game, except for the, the Titans, he's getting rid of the ball very, very quickly. And that's going to mitigate the ability for the Cowboys to generate pressure, because I don't care how good your pass rush is, if you're getting rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds, that doesn't really matter. So combine the ability for receivers uh, getting open quickly and having an offense that is orchestrated to get the ball and get the ball downfield to those guys, it is a great spot, I think, for a Miami team where Dallas is still going to be priced as a good defense, especially with their props, just because of how dominant their pass rush is. But to a tongue by Loa and this quick offense can mitigate those effects get the ball to their receivers in a huge massive matchup advantage against a man heavy dallas secondary this is a spot i love i would the only thing i'll add to this is I, I tend to want to uh bet on these sort of like lesser guys to hit a league average or like 75th percentile type of game it's a little bit harder because this, this is a 51 and a half point total there's no fooling around it like Okay, mm-hmm. the markets are going to be pricing in a premium on these offenses, but I do think this really uniquely sets up as one of those 90th percentile and above offensive games where we could really see 70, 80 points scored, uh, and kind of building around that is an angle as well that I would love to play.
0: The I think it's really interesting because most I think will say, "Hey, look, you've got you know." Uh, a, a team in the Cowboys that have been great against the pass. They can't stop the run. Um, and I think the the thesis here is exactly the opposite, which is like they've kind of been a little fraudulent, if you will, in terms of how well they've stopped the uh, the, the pass. And a lot of it relies on their pass rush. But to your point, like they, they get rid of the ball so quickly, such a good way to mitigate that pass rush. Um, and of course, they're playing at home as well. where they'll have the benefit of, um, you know the fans on their side. I think it's really interesting because I think that's pretty contrarian as to how people think the Dolphins will beat the Cowboys. I would guess that most people will think it will be, you know, with their with their run game.
2: Yeah, I'll even just add one more point. The entirety of the Dolphins' offensive line is hurt. I think most people would say, "Ah, oh, that means they can't pass product. It's the opposite. I think. I think it means more passing because they're going to orchestrate a quick offense as opposed to relying on uh, whether it's backups or hurt guys to. Uh, generate, you know, holes in the run game. I think that only further tells them to the pass, and I think that the market would press the opposite there.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, great, you got any others for us? Anything on Christmas?
2: Uh, I there's nothing I love. I didn't mind the angle you guys talked about on Sunday night of uh, kind of betting a Lamar Jackson rush, maybe under style game. I think that is how the Ravens would have to win. Uh, I mean. We've got like 10 and a half point spreads. I guess in theory, you can, you know, bet on Tommy Cutlets here. This is a dreadful Eagles pass defense, and the offense can't seem to figure it out. There is a scenario in which this Eagles team really is not that good. And a 12-point a 12-point favorite is certainly baking in some sort of prior of how good the Eagles are, or some sort of projection of how good the Eagles can be. I don't hate the idea of building around Tommy Cutlets and the Giants just because of how bad this Eagles secondary has been, and it's like totally plausible that uh, this Eagles team is way overpriced. That's the only thing I'd play. I don't think it's one of my stronger angles, but I do think it is certainly worthwhile, and there's probably some value there.
0: Well, Snooky will be playing that, so we uh, you know that's the case. Um, I, I'm in, obviously, with Tommy Cutlitz. Uh, let's get to uh, some locks of the week. Um, before we do, a uh, gentle reminder. But if you're looking for a great way to bet on sports and in particular football this Christmas, maybe you're visiting some family or going to a place where it's legal now, you better check, make sure because it could be a nice little gift in your stocking. Uh, Drafting Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL this week. New customers bet just five bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. We just talked about a ton that you can go get involved in. Obviously, they have all the same game parlays that you could possibly want. So you can place all the SGPs we just talked about on DraftKings, you can place a little $5 wager on there. I get $150 in bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Promo code PFF, new customers. Bet $5 on NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Um, I've not done one of these reads in a while, so prepare yourself. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.800gambler.net. I can't believe they spelled that out. I have no idea what that means. In New York, call 877 877- they spelled this out. I don't know how to even read this. 778-HOPE-NY. What oh, I can't read numbers. Or text HOPE-NY to 467369. I wish you guys could see this. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, as we've talked about before, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire. One hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. Make sure you get your calculator and abacus out for that. Cdkng.com/slash/football/eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I wish you guys could see this. I've never seen a read spell out numbers like that, and it's messing with my head. You should try oh, it was it. the Words? Yeah, like, I was, it was wondering what you
2: were talking about. Like, yeah. Yeah. you Instead mean spell it e- out? It's just the number.
0: Instead of 8778, I'm looking at E-I-G-H-T space S-E-V-E-N space S-E-V-E-N space E-I-G-H-T.
2: The person writing it's getting paid for the uh, number of characters. Uh, What
0: what, what an absolute nightmare. Um, Jesus. Anyways, uh, onward we go. Um, Let's get into locks of the week. Um, some strong ones last week. We didn't place all of them in our official locks, um, but some good ones overall. Um, so let's keep this this train rolling. Um, Brad, we will kick it off with you.
1: Yeah, so I thought and hoped Judo was going to go this direction. I mentioned earlier the absence of Marshawn Lattimore it jumped out to me for tomorrow night's game. Um The Saints, uh, for the whole season, have been very, very good at covering slot receivers or players lined up in the slot. I guess not tight ends, but um, literally top two in e-paper play and success rate allowed on targets to players lined up in the slot. However, well, with Marshawn Lattimore, they were also top five in the NFL uh, against covering outside receivers, too. They're just a very good coverage unit. Marshawn Lattimore goes out. It's now five weeks of data since he's been out, and they're below league average in e-paper dropback and success rate. Success rate, they're a little bit better. But anyway, they go go from second in e-paper dropback allowed on targets to wide receivers uh, to, like, 17th. And, 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 you know, some sample size stuff, sure. But, I mean, there's a reason. You lose one of the best cover corners in football. So I like playing Puka Nakua in this situation. Uh, His prop is 5.5 plus 106. And I think you're just, you know, you're you're going to get downfield passing as well. The, the Saints are 23rd in pressure rate. You're going to have some time for Matthew Stafford. He's been incredible throwing deep. Um, and, and I think Puka will get more of the looks here uh, because the Saints do a very good job with linebackers, with, with Alante Taylor in the slot. They, they do a good job there. I think Puka's the guy tomorrow night. Dig it.
2: I like that. I, I think that's a solid Just that... You know, and I obviously won't argue against a a Stafford and a Kua SGP in a a perfect spot. Uh, The Higby one just kind of stood out there. I'm going to stick with this game also. It's not necessarily sexy, but I do think it it pays the bills, and that's important this time of year. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is A.T. Perry under 13 and a half receiving yards. This is a guy who was tied for third uh, in wide receiver snap count last week. It's been trickling way down. Chris Olave should be back in this one. I believe Dennis Allen mentioned that uh, today. He's fourth in the pecking order for uh, for snaps, and the books are pricing him as still having this kind of wide receiver two role where uh, he was playing while Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave are out. Those guys are back in the lineup, I should say, or King Rashid Shahid. He's behind Keith Kirkwood. He's behind Lynn Bowden. He's not going to be playing often. I'm just going to bet his under because you know, 13 and a half, not a lot, but he's also not going to be seen in the field.
0: I love it. I absolutely love that uh, angle. We don't bet enough unders, honestly. Overs are so much fun, but uh, they're unders right for the picking. And how many, what percentage of NFL fans that you said, who does AT Perry play for? And they mentioned an NBA basketball team, like.
1: (laughs) A chunk. Also, yeah, my bad on the injury report. Yeah, Alave doesn't have a designation. Alave is a full go tomorrow. Full go.
0: Okay. Um, I'm. We're going to keep this going. I'm going to stick with this, uh, this game. Over 46. Now, everyone is obsessed with the under in these primetime games. They're all going under. Yada, 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 yada. Okay. Uh, I look at the defense for the new orleans saints you just called out the weakness to both tight ends and in the slot i think that the strength outside this is actually an area where you can mitigate that with the way that the rams play uh this game um this is also sean McVay revenge game he wants nothing more than to light up this defense uh in in los angeles um and then on the other side i think it's really interesting um you know i think the Rams defense has played you know decent but uh I, I thought Carr and that offense um played all right and we'll get now these uh now get a back against some some corners that you can take advantage of so I, I like over 46 um i know that everyone will be on the under and everyone loves the primetime unders um but i'm here for a good old-fashioned uh a little bit of a shootout and you know i don't think that the i don't think that the saints defense even though they've they played well and they've covered well is a particularly good matchup for the rams both up front and in the secondary so um lean the over 46 in saints rams
1: yeah i I don't like it as a matchup either running between the tackles has been a strong suit of mcveigh this year with kind of a, a shift in his approach uh and the interior defenders for the saints are not particularly great so uh i like that one so another under another prop under so i'm with you george um yes. it's justin fields under 19 and a half completions uh, i see minus 102 and there's some even money out there as well this isn't an anti-justin fields bet it's a the cardinals have the worst run defense in the nfl by a comfortable margin bet uh and, and i think you see a three-headed monster now in chicago they're running all three guys and obviously fields included you know the concern to a degree i suppose could be game If they're down and need to throw um which could happen you never know when like kyler's gonna pop off but you know, that has not happened to this point. Uh, the Bears defense, I think at this point, there's enough of a sample to say, I know I joke and say they're elite. They're they're, they're an above-average unit. They're, they're pretty good now, and I think they are going to cause a lot of problems for Arizona. So anyway, yeah, but it's honestly more just that I think Chicago's going to run the ball down their throat. Um, so, yeah.
2: That I was hoping you'd, you'd uh, give something like that. Mention it on the Sunday pod. Uh, and it was something that I that I really liked. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, back to the will. We had this uh, last week, James Cook uh, over 46 and a half rush yards. I think that mm-hmm. was the yeah. uh, sweatless bet uh, for a while. <laughs> I really should have played the alts there, I guess. Uh, but he is at 67 and a half against a Chargers defense that also disaster against the run. They can't stop a nosebleed. Maybe that I'm actually just giving this because i got to give my little spiel here on why I think the Bills are actually way overpriced, way overrated, uh, mm. and are kind of fraudulent, and that Uh-oh. is that this, this Bills offense has decided that actually in, instead of throwing the ball on early downs with Josh Allen, because I don't know, maybe we have the second-best quarterback in football, we actually need to establish our running game with you know James Cook, Ty Johnson, Latavius Murray, got to get all the guys involved, got to make sure to throw to our running backs more. Uh, I don't think that is a sustainable strategy long-term. I do think that will work against the Chargers as kind of 12-and-a-half-point favorites against Easton Stick and a, a team that uh, really has nothing to nothing to play for except maybe a new coach. Uh, but they're going to be feeding the, the ground game. The books are pricing in this Buffalo offense still as kind of the first 13 weeks of the season, very, very pass-heavy, kind of dominant passing game. That's not what this Bills, the current iteration of the Bills wants to do. They want to run the ball a lot. James Cook has been terrific in the run game. He's got a great matchup. Over 67 and a half is a terrific play in, in my view.
1: Let me add on to it for you. It was my next bet and my final data point that I loved. The Chargers have the second worst EPA per rush and the second worst uh, success rate against runs between the tackles. The Bills have the number one EPA per rush and number one success rate in the NFL on runs between the tackles. It's a, you know, and, and the, yeah, the, the, those are still... Both sides of the coin there is about 200 rushing attempts. It's not some tiny sample. Um, literally opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: So. Yeah. I, so I will defend the Bills uh, <laughs> as I have uh, for the past few weeks. Um, and the uh, I, I don't disagree with you that those running running plays on early downs is is not a great sign. However, I know that when push comes to shove when playing a real team that they will rely on Josh Allen. My belief is they're just resting. Him. They're just putting the burden. They can win these games with James Cook, uh, running the ball. And when you can do that, when you can give Josh Allen an opportunity to throw for under a hundred yards, you need to do it so that you can save them up, uh, for when the games really matter. So I'm coaching my bets, uh, as you're not supposed to do. And I think that they will rely on him when, uh, when it matters. I actually think that getting more of these guys run is important. You're going to need a James Cook. You're going to need, um, you know, uh, Johnson as well to be able to be parts of the offense. I think in the passing game, given uh, the way that uh, some of the receivers have played. So uh, I think ultimately a benefit um, for them. And, you know, the other thing is you'll, you'll be establishing the run in these games to set up the pass uh, in the games where they matter. So there you go. Um all right, uh, my turn. Uh, I'm gonna head to you guys. Mentioned this game. Um, I am fully on the Shane Steichen, I believe actually Shane Steichen, uh, largely to blame for the Eagles being not as great on offense. And I don't think it's a uh, you know mistake that the Colts have been very good on offense, more much better than the market thinks. And because the market camp isn't really accounting for what Shane Steichen is doing, um, so I think it's. You mentioned that the move here to the Falcons' favor. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the bigger coaching mismatches that you will see, Um, not to mention a a pretty big quarterback mismatch as well. Um, Taylor Heineke looked horrible. I mean, horrible. Like, I think everyone expected him to be kind of the spunky Washington Commanders guy that they saw. He he was not that at all. yeah not not very good for the Falcons offense uh clearly they have no idea what's going on whereas I feel like the Colts like actually do like, the Colts are a real football team um and uh you know have a have a coach knows he's doing um so I take their money line um I think that's the the best place I, I would even consider like an alt spread here um you know maybe like Colts minus three and a half or something like that um I I just think this is patently ridiculous that they are uh not uh at least a two and a half point favorite here in in Atlanta
1: they haven't had respect just at all. Like the entire, we've talked about it four or five shows at this point. I feel like, and we bet it, and then it, like, the, and then they cover. Uh, what do you say? They're the number one ATS team in the in the NFL. I think we talked about uh, last week. So anyway, I'm tapped out. Uh, a couple of mine got stolen, which is a good thing. But uh, I'm tapped out.
2: Okay. Yeah, I got I got one more. That's uh, Jalen Carter over 0.25 sacks plus 130. I mean, Tommy Cutlets, he's our boy. There's no denying it, but he also takes way too many sacks. Uh, if you look at kind of any pressure to sack, right, this guy is just, he, he's off the charts bad. Uh, he is taking way, way, way too many sacks. Somehow managed to uh, go sackless in that, in that Packers game. I guess that's how he had 75 rush yards. There's a massive, massive mismatch from Jalen Carter, who is our sixth-ranked uh, player. As you can see, you just look on the screen, it's a sea of, uh, a sea of red or orange on the Giants interior with, you know, Justin Pugh, who, who did, you know, stand in admirably uh, that is Sunday Night Football against the Bills. Uh, but these are all guys with 43, 45.2, 51.1 PFF grades. It's a massive mismatch. Tommy DeVito takes way too many sacks. Not going to overthink this one. It is a uh, Jalen Carter is just going to wreck this Giants offensive line.
1: I love that Uh, play. How many Vito's pressure to sack rate is thirteen points above the next guy who's starting? (laughs) Thirteen percentage points above, I should say, (laughs) above Ryan Tannehill, who's second.
0: (laughs) That's unreal. Um, All right, I have. uh, I kind of just I I would like to talk about this game because we haven't, and um, potentially, uh, you know, Super Bowl preview. I think this is the the game of the year. uh, Christmas night. Um, I do have an angle here that, um, we talked a little bit about one angle, or a couple angles on Sunday, um, for how this game might go, but there is a, a prop angle that I like. Um, okay. Debo has been like hot lava. He's been unstoppable. Totally get it. I think that Mike McDonald and the weapons that he has to try and defend Debo Samuel are as good as any that are out there. Um, I think this is a Brandon Ayuk game. Um, last a couple was it last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about how absurd it was that Debo Samuel's uh, yardage total was like 20 points below Ayuk's, and he went out and had 100 yards and an absolute uh, cinch. Um, so I actually need to look at where Ayuk's uh, number, if it's posted yet, um, because I didn't see it earlier. Um, but I, I think this is the time uh, to go in on Ayuk. I also think that you know, hopefully this, uh, this Baltimore Ravens defense depresses these numbers ever so slightly. Um, let me see if I can find it here. You get
2: 61 and a half for IUC.
0: 61 and a half. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I see Debo's right there now at exactly the same uh, number, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I just think, you know, and I would consider probably some alts here, um, you know, maybe 70 or 80 plus, um, but I think this is an IU game, Um compared to to a Debo game I just feel like you know based on how well Debo's played you're gonna have to pay him some extra special attention um you know in, in this game where you're, you're gonna get diced up so yeah I see uh 70 plus is plus 118 80 plus is uh plus 182 um for Mr Brandon Ayuk. um Ravens have been a very very good coverage unit but um he, he's gonna face Marlon Humphrey who's actually only graded 70th out of 118 uh, on a fair number uh his snaps are projecting him for 13.4 routes against Humphrey and I think they're going to have to leave Humphrey on him on kind of an island uh to account for all the other weapons that the Niners have so um use, uh highest graded um separation grade uh per PFF in the uh in the league and um, I'll ride with that All right uh no others um but I'm curious your guys take on uh on Ravens and, and Niners here oh, it's
2: such a It's such a fascinating game where you have, like, in theory, the defense that can slow down the Niners for all the reasons we talked about. I think there are a couple of angles working against that. Number one, like, the Ravens really have not played any particularly good offenses, uh, and did struggle against the Rams in a like game that was abysmal weather. Uh, Stafford almost threw for 300 yards; they gave up 30 points. So, whatever metric you want to look at, Uh, they were also kind of struggling against the Jaguars a bit until Trevor Lawrence got concussed. Uh, That game, I think, looks very, very different if the Jaguars don't miss a bunch of field goals. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Jaguars always do that, but from a yardage perspective and a fundamentals perspective, this is a Ravis defense that did struggle. And the second and main thing here is that, like, when you have 95th percentile offense and 95th percentile defense, like, those two things don't average out together. Like, the offense Mm -hmm. in the modern NFL wins, and I'm not sure anyone can stop the Niners in this current iteration. uh, That, like... I think the price is right, and it's kind of crazy because this is like arguably the number two team in the NFL. And to say there's like adjusting for home field, a four point difference between those two is a huge number, but I kind of think it's accurate. What do you think, Brad? Yeah,
1: yeah. We talked about it a bit on Sunday. Uh, Judah mentioned the kind of the script conversation we had where we think it's got to be a low scoring game for Baltimore to win it. I just, not even the, the strength of opponent, but also, like, the offense, post Mark Andrews, you've had some good Odell play, no question about it, but I mentioned it, too. Like, your running game, I thought, was going to be the biggest key here. And, again, I'm not saying, like, an undrafted rookie. Yeah, sorry, Judah, that, that was an all-time John Harbaugh uh, quote. But, like, it, like, not having a guy that can turn a 5-yard, a 10-yard rushing game into a 30-yarder, which Gus Edwards and Justice Hill can't really do, I think it's, like, actually a very meaningful... Um, kind of lost uh, from your offense. I just, yeah, you do have the, the Ravens defense with two good off-ball linebackers to protect the middle. Kyle Hamilton is incredible. Like in theory, it's a great matchup for their defense. There's no question about it. But how many times have we said that, you know, or thought that? And then an elite offense comes in and just, just it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, I, I feel the same way I did. I just, I just think it's gonna Lamar's gonna have to have an MVP type game, run for 80 plus yards. Uh, And win like 20 to 17 is the only way I I see this happening for Baltimore.
0: All right. One thing to think about there is, and I I agree with you, but the point that you made first, I think, is a really salient one, which is, um, or Judah, that you made 95th percentile offense, maybe even higher than that um, versus uh, a really good defense. And, you know, you bet on the offense there. Um, So I talked about this on Sunday. Like, I think if you're going to play the Niners, you should play some alts um i can see them you know going out and, and stopping on this uh ravens team and the reason for that is kind of as you uh talk about which is i think that the ravens will have to put up a bunch of points now they could like you know like lamar has played well um you know and, and that would be like the contrarian view there is like if they're going to win the niners are going to score points so they've got to score points as well um you know which i think is uh probably less than likely to to happen. So I, I do kind of like playing the Niners uh, on alts, sort of a la the um Cowboys game and and the Eagles game as well.
2: Yeah. It's a very interesting also both of these teams have played an overwhelming majority of their snaps from the lead. That by definition can't be true. Right. Like we all saw that graphic and Brady mentioned it on the the bot on Sunday night. Like the Ravens have played m- more time with the lead than like any team since 2005. The Niners also are like right behind them. Like something about the game script is going to be different from the regular season. It's almost a, a real test, I think, going into the playoffs of like what each of these teams are. Uh, at least one of this, we're going to get some information on one of these sides. I think that will actually be more notable than any other random one-game sample. Right? Like usually, I like don't want to overreact to like one spot. I actually do think if there is any game by which we're going to learn like something really meaningful about these teams is this game.
0: Is there a live angle there? So like you just bet whichever team is up because the team that's down is not going to to do.
2: We don't really like the absence of evidence is not like evidence of it. Like we don't really know because like we have no sample of this thing to be true. Uh, I would say if the Niners do go up uh, just with the way they can front run and the fact that like, the Ravens' run defense should, in theory, be a lot better than they are. And they were really terrific at the end of the last season, but have actually really struggled this year. Uh, just when you can get the Niners running the ball and then they're passing game going, it's it, it seems like it's night-night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we get a game script where the Niners are live being priced to a pregame line of 5.5, but really that we're going to update that information to really be like, oh, that's actually should have been six and a half, seven and a half. that is a spot where I'd want to back the Niners because they can really front on you by 20 points easily. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Um, okay, let's pick some locks. Uh, here are the ones we have. We have Pukutukua over five and a half receptions. A.T. Perry under 13 and a half receiving yards. Uh, New Orleans and Los Angeles over 46 total points. Justin Fields under 19 and a half completions. James Cook over 67 and a half rushing yards. Colts minus uh, on an alt spread minus two and a half. I need to look up what that number would be. They're currently plus one. Jalen Carter over two and a half, uh, 0.25, sorry. Sacks plus 130. Um and uh, Brandon Ayuk, over 61 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Where's your guys' head at?
1: Uh, Jude, I love the Carl Sagan quote you just like half submitted in the, in your answer, by the way. Uh, the Jalen Carter sack prop, I don't know how I didn't see that one. Uh, I love that one so, so much. Um, I mean, Tommy D, uh, like his pressure sack rate is hey, comical. Hey, Cutlets, I mean, Mr. Cutlets. Apologies, Mr. Cutlets.
0: If you want to mention his name, you're going to have to pay Sean Stellato, uh his cut, okay? Price just went up.
2: Not anymore. Price went up.
0: So sad. So sad. Lost him too soon.
2: I do, I do think that uh, having two of us with the same lock should qualify as a lock for the locks of the week. Mm-hmm. Being a, a James Cook over 67.5. Yep. Uh, George, I also, I know the price for Colts minus 2.5 because I personally bet it uh, mm. today. Which was at plus one twenty. So I also Definitely. do very much like that one.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. what I see right here. Yep. All three of those I love. You already mentioned the Stafford uh, SGP. So I'm okay with not, you know, like you do a do a Puka build, do a Higby build. I think we're good there. I'm I'm down for some AT Perry now that you mentioned that. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess uh, a lot of these Perry are- in there. Yeah, yeah, I think we have got to get some A.T. Perry under 13 and a half in there. It's, gonna, it's, a great, gonna, it's our great schlock of the week. <laughs> yeah, guy, guy's going
2: to get no snaps until the fourth quarter. Rams are up, you know, 24-10. And then in the garbage time drive, A.T. Perry's going to come through with the 15-yard catch. Um, <laughs> Don't say <laughs> but, well, now, In all seriousness, I do really like that we'll,
1: one. We'll live bet it. We'll live bet it to Hedge. Yeah,
2: exactly. we get got a middle. Yeah.
1: He all right, exactly. so we got AT Perry under
0: 13 and a half receiving yards. We have James Cook over 67 and a half rushing yards. We have the Colts minus two and a half at plus 120. And we have Jalen Carter over 0.25 sacks at plus 130. Those are the locks of the week. Now, it is, uh, it is Christmas weekend. We will not be doing a podcast on Christmas Eve or Christmas night. Uh, we will guess the lines um, and we will tweet out uh, our guesses. We encourage you all to guess them as well. Um so that uh, you can take a look. Um want to make sure that everyone has their opportunity to do that, but we figure you probably don't want to spend time uh with our uh lame asses on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas night. Um so uh we will post those, we will guess the lines. Um you can uh you know have your uh, um you know joy in, in guessing them as well. Um yeah, Judah, if uh podcast gets a thousand likes, we'll do a solo pod. Uh, Judah will that's i think very fair um he'll post that in discord we'll see there's a thousand there's more than a thousand people in there so solo pod for judah is in um uh in the running uh you can make that happen if you so choose um otherwise what we will do is we are going to record a props a christmas stocking stuffer props spectacular uh on friday we're gonna get the whole crew together all four of us we'll run through um, a bunch of games talk about um a, a ton of props that way, uh, if you want to be heavily invested in any part of the day, uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, you'll have a way to do so um, and impress your uh, your father-in-law with all of your knowledge um, on uh, uh, on the props that you're betting. So that's what we'll do. See you guys on Friday, probably be um, kind of mid-ish, uh, early-ish afternoon. Um, and uh, then you can go off and enjoy your Christmas. And we'll be back on uh, the following Wednesday uh, with the same group to, uh, to prepare for the upcoming week. That is it. Um, I will leave you with this uh, because we did not do get up or made up this week. I honestly, they were kind of normal this week. It was the only thing that was out of the, the ordinary was Rashard Mendenhall. The get up folks were very tame this week. So we'll come back with a vengeance um, on uh, on on the following Wednesday next week. Uh, but I'll leave you with this. John Harbaugh on his Christmas wish list. It was, quote, world peace and a win, not in that order. Uh, the blessed John Harbaugh. Um, we wish you all peace. Enjoy your Christmas. Love you all. See ya.